Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, good morning, everyone. Or after, technically afternoon, I guess. Um, I, uh, sorry to move it up and screw up the schedule a little, but uh, we've got a couple of events this afternoon, so i got to... Get, uh, get through this, get some questions, and then uh, got to move on. Uh, but we've got two more on-camera briefings the rest of the week. So uh, this morning, the president just wrapped up, or is continuing to. I know some of the pool just left, but the president is currently hosting an opioid and drug abuse listening session with senior administration officials, governors, experts in the psychology of drug addiction, uh, recovery awareness uh, advocates, and others who've been affected by the opioid crisis. Drug abuse has crippled communities across this nation. In 2015, more than 52,000 Americans, that's 144 people a day, died from a drug overdose with 63% involving an opioid, according to the CDC. Drug overdoses are now the leading cause of accidental death in our country. As the President discussed with the group this morning, we won't be able to address this academic, excuse me, epidemic with a single solution. First, we must uh, get struggling Americans the help that they need. Too many families have seen firsthand the destruction that drug abuse can bring, and we must also focus prevention on law and enforcement. Uh, cheap heroin is flooding into our communities as drug cartels expand into the country, setting off a chain reaction of addiction, of addiction that spreads from person to person and from family to family. President Trump has already taken executive action to strengthen law enforcement and dismantle criminal cartels. He and his team will continue to discuss how best to root out this threat to American communities with drug enforcement experts as we continue this fight. Stopping this academic is not is, a, is an issue that every American, regardless of your political background, can and must get behind. We must work together from the leaders of the most local, from most local and community recovery and support programs all the way to the White House to solve this problem. Uh, the White House took a big first step this morning in our battle to combat drug addiction and the opioid crisis by meeting with these individuals, which included uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who has been a leader in this issue, Attorney General Sessions, Education Secretary DeVos, Veterans Administration Secretary Shulkin, Homeland Security Secretary Kelly, and others were in attendance. Uh, a full list of uh, participants has been provided. Uh, I will say, uh, I know the pool was just in there. It is um, some of the stories uh, from some of the individuals who have been involved in this uh, with a family member are unbelievably compelling. Uh, their desire to see uh, and to work with the administration to get this problem addressed is uh, is one that is plaguing communities, and I know the President places it at the highest, um, highest priority. Uh, there was a mention by the drug, uh, the acting administrator of the DEA, that, uh, that they uh, have a program where twice a year they gather uh, unwanted drugs Last year, they gathered over a million pounds of unwanted drugs. There's 5,000 sites in which in people across America can drop off uh, stuff in their medicine cabinet that is no longer used to get it out of their house. Uh, the next drop-off will be on April 29th, and I think the DEA will be putting out more information. 
but when you see some of the action that was taking place in this report, it is uh, truly a call to arms for a crisis that is plaguing our country. This afternoon, the President will drop by uh, the Women's Empowerment Panel uh, that the White House is hosting, uh, led by uh, Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi, uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, Small Business Administrator Linda McMahon, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley, Senator Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Seema Burma, uh, who will all speak about the unique challenges that women and young girls face uh, today. Vice President Pence and the First Lady will also be in attendance. The President is proud that uh, his administration is full of so many female leaders uh, from whom will be on stage this afternoon to those incredibly work, so that their incredible work doesn't always make headlines, but it's certainly felt across the federal government and across our nation. Women's he History Month is coming to an end, but the Trump administration is committed to empowering women in the workplace. Uh, the work that we started this month will not end at the end of this month, but will continue. The President made women's empowerment priority throughout the campaign, speaking out on affordable child care and paid family leave, investing in women's health, and the barriers faced by female entrepreneurs and business owners. In February, he and Prime Minister Trudeau from Canada launched the United States Canada Council for Advancement of Women Entrepreneurs. This month, the First Lady hosted an event for International Women's Day in the East Wing. CMS, CMS Administrator Burma hosted a panel on women in health care. His daughter Ivanka held a roundtable with women business owners with SBA Administrator McMahon, as well as other roundtable with Latina business owners. And just earlier today, the First Lady joined the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Tom Shannon, to present the 2017 Secretary of State's International Women of Courage Award at the State Department. The President believes, as the First Lady said this morning, quote, wherever women are diminished, the entire world is diminished with them. However, wherever women are empowered, towns, villages, schools, and economies are empowered, and together we are all made stronger. The Trump administration will continue to work to ensure that the American economy is a place where women can work and thrive. Later this evening, the Vice President will participate in the swearing-in of David Friedman as the next ambassador to Israel. The President is glad that Ambassador Friedman will be officially on board as we strive for a lasting peace in the Middle East. His, uh, Mr. Friedman's strong relationships in Israel will be a tremendous asset to the President in furthering that mission. Finally, I want to speak uh, about Judge Gorsuch and the blatantly political obstruction of his nomination in this, to the Supreme Court by Senate Democrats. Yesterday, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that next Friday, the Senate will vote to confirm Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. We welcome this news. Unfortunately, Senate Democrats have begun justifying their opposition to Judge Gorsuch by claiming a 60-vote standard for his confirmation. That standard doesn't exist, and these claims continue to be false. A party-line filibuster by the Senate minority is not a fair up-or-down vote. You don't have to look further than the voices of many of these same Democrats to see why in 2013 Senator Tom Udall said, and I quote in full, some of us may disagree with Justice Scalia on judicial philosophy, but he was a qualified nominee. He received an up-or-down vote, and he was unanimously confirmed. Likewise, he said, Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg was considered a liberal, the former ACLU general counsel. Many on the other side may have disagreed with her views, but there was no filibuster. She was confirmed by a vote of 96 to 3, end quote. He added, quote, a minority in the Senate should not be able to block qualified nominees, end quote. We could not agree more with Senator Udall. Unfortunately, he has now adopted a new party line of obstruction in blocking a fair up or down vote on the confirmation of Judge Gorsuch. It's both sad and unfortunate, and we encourage all senators from both parties to fairly evaluate the judge's eminent qualifications and grant him an up or down vote. With that, we'd like to take your questions.
April. How are you today? I'm fine, and how are you? Fantastic. <laughs> well, Sean, um, going back to some issues that are in the news, um, Nunez is not going to recuse himself. In the midst of all of this back and forth, what does the White House say about that? Well, April, uh, <laughs> the White House, as I, I think I mentioned this yesterday, I mean, uh, he's conducting an investigation. He is the elected or appointed, I can't remember how they do HIPSI over there, but uh, appointed and confirmed or however they, but, but by his colleagues in the House and the Speaker. Um, he is the chairman. He's conducting an investigation. It is up to the House of Representatives and the Speaker uh, and the members of the House Republican Conference to determine. But I, I mean, there's nothing that I see that, that is problematic in him conducting an investigation that we ask both the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Well, I, I would take issue with the. I, I think you're right that there appear, there may appear to be certain things, but I don't think there's any actual proof or or sustaining allegation about anything that's done. Again, I mentioned this yesterday. If you look at what Chairman Nunez has done, he has met with people who are clear to discuss classified information regarding a review that he is conducting. That's how it's supposed to work. And again, I, I understand that when things are leaked out in the media, uh, that somehow that is a standard that's acceptable. But when two people who are clear to discuss classified information, uh, or three or however many, discuss classified information, somehow that's wrong because it's not being leaked. Um, he is conducting a review, which we have supported, uh, on both sides of the chambers, and I think that they should do this. Uh, but I think to start to prejudge where this thing is going, we have been as supportive of it, as you know, and I think that let's let that process bear, bear itself out and see what happens. I will tell you that I've seen reports in the media that the NSA has documents that they are um, supposedly trying to get to the House Intelligence Committee that have been requested. I, we, we think that's a great thing, um, if that's in fact what's happening. But again, I think part of this all gets back to that there is a process. And I get that sometimes it's frustrating to us. I believe that um, we want this over as much as I think some of you. But we recognize that there's a process that has to take place. And that process is taking place. The chairman and the House Intelligence, and I know that Senator Burr and Senator Warner are talking about the process that they're going to go on the Senate side. Some of these things take a little bit of time, um, and to the extent that they are gathering the appropriate documents and looking at those things, then that's that's part of the process and the review that is being undertaken, and, and we're fine with that. Okay, second topic, um, tax reform and infrastructure, reports are saying you're going to do it together, and ACA, uh, well, Obamacare, going into Trump here at that time, tax reform and infrastructure were said to be some of the reasons why you did not come up in the budget with uh, eliminating the debt. Do you have cost estimates as it relates to tax reform and infrastructure as of yet? No, because I think you need to have plans laid out first, and I think part of this is that we're in the beginning phases of both of those. Um, to, so to, to have a score on either one of them or a cost, uh, when we don't have those formalized yet, and I think we're in the beginning phases of, of having those discussions with both stakeholders, members of Congress on both sides, um, and obviously internally uh, the formulation of those plans is continuing. So until that happens, I don't see us having a formal cost 
or a score. It's not a question of trust. Remember, I, I just I want to be clear about what I've said before. I think when it comes to cost estimates and budget issues, which is what CBO is charged to do, they are the Congressional Budget Office. And while I think sometimes they're a little off on that, that is what they're charged with doing. And I think there's a score where I think it's not a question of trust. It's a question of accuracy. And I think that the issue that we previously uh, brought up was when they had scored people and coverage, which isn't necessarily their wheelhouse, they had been way off. And again, I don't think it's a question of us trusting or not. It's literally a question of saying they believed that 26 million people would be on Obamacare, 10.4 were, and falling. I think that's that's not a question of whether we trust them or not. It's a question of that those are the facts, uh, and those facts bear out that they were off by more than 50% when it came to counting people. And I just want to be clear that it's not a question of whether we trust them. I, I would ask whether that's really what they're supposed to be doing. Major. We talked about on Monday. And Monday, you said to us from the podium, you would look into how Chairman Nunes was cleared here and with whom he met. Can you give us? A, we tried to ask you that yesterday as you walked out. Do you have any information to live up to the commitment you made here on Monday to provide more details about how that happened in a process you just told us yet again is above board and totally appropriate? I, I don't have anything for you on on that at this time. But again, I don't. Do you look into? I have asked some preliminary questions. I have not gotten answers yet, and I think there's a – but – so, no, I don't have anything further on that. But, again, I, I would argue, Major, it's interesting, and I brought this up the other day, that there seems to be this fascination with the process. It's how did he get here, what door did he enter, as opposed to what's the substance of what we're finding. When, when I get not, – not from you, and I'm not trying to be – but it's so many times I get these calls that we have an unnamed intel source that says the following substance occurred. Do you, do you admit it? Do you deny it? Whatever. And we have this argument over substance. In this case, the fascination with, is with what door did he come in, who did he meet with, how did he get waved in, as opposed to what I think it should be, and ironically it's not when it's, it's the other – the shoes on the other foot is what's the substance? Just yesterday, just to be clear, we started this day with the Washington Post falsely posting a story saying the White House blocked Sally Yates, right? By the end of the day, it's officials blocked Sally Yates. They were wrong, and they jumped to a conclusion based on whatever unnamed sources. And I think that what we're trying to do is argue that there should be a process. The chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and others are going through a review. We support that review. And so as, I, as much as I understand that everyone wants to jump to how did everyone get in? What did they do? They're undergoing an investigation. I have a substantive question about that. Okay. But I'm just asking you about something you told us. No, I said I would look into it. Are you going to continue to look into I it? I will. I will look into it and whether or not. You live up to that obligation. I, no, no, I will. But the obligation is I said I would look into it and I would continue to do that. Okay. So you said yesterday about Sally H. Show what you know. Well, one of the reasons that there's this question about Chairman Nunes is he hasn't told his own committee members what he knows, how he learned about it. Mm -hmm. and what the substantive importance of that is. So we are also curious about that. And among the things that might be, or might shed light on that, is how he got here, who he met with, and what he learned. Right. We're trying to figure that out as well. I understand, and I think those are questions for him. And I think, I, I also think, but, but, but I think to? that, Major, that there's a slippery slope that we're talking about here, because if yeah. we start looking into certain things, then the accusation the next day is going to be, you know, you looked into this. Can you look into that? Why did you ask this person or not? I mean, the, a couple of weeks ago when we when we there were stories about whether or not we called certain people and we didn't. So we're damned if we're doing, we're damned if we don't on this stuff. Because on the one hand, you want certain answers. On the other hand, you want to talk about us being involved. And I think we've tried to keep – we asked for an investigation. 
And at the same time, we've tried to make sure that we, we allow that review to go on, that both the House and the Senate intelligence. So we, we can't cherry pick every time that you decide that a piece of information is relevant to what you want. I think that we know that they are undertaking a review. Hold on. The members of the very committee but that's, themselves say they don't know fair enough. what is and being that's a, discussed. Right. How is the process going forward? How is that a workable process? Okay, but what I'm saying is, that, or the answer to that question is, that's an answer, a question for Chairman Nunez. I don't have any authority over how the House Intelligence Committee conducts itself. That's a question. You do have authority about whether he gets into this building and can review secured information but, on this side. But, but how he conducts himself with his members, when and where he shares things, et cetera, are issues for him and the committee and the House of Representatives, not for us. That's it, plain and simple. John. Uh, Sean, we know that uh, members of the House Freedom Caucus, the Tuesday group, Republican study group, are up on the Hill trying to see if they could come to some sort of an agreement to find a way forward on health care. How real does the White House think this possibility of resurrecting health care is? Well, I, I think the, the president from the early days of his campaign talked about repealing and replacing. It's a commitment that he made. I think he'd like to get it done. Um, but he also understands, and, and I, I don't want to be, I want to be completely consistent with two things. One is he understands that in order to get to 216, we have to make sure that it does what he said it was going to do, that it achieves those those goals of, of lowering costs and creating more options. And so we're not going to create a deal for the sake of creating a deal that ends up being not in the best interest of the American people. You've got to know when to walk away from a deal that is going to end up bad. And he wants to have a good deal. And so the deal that he's looking for is willing to have members come and talk to him and engage with um, on, on, on this whole area and figure out what it would take, what their ideas are to get there to grow that vote. And if they can do that and get to an area where we, we will have a majority of the House and can move it to the Senate, then we're going to engage in that. But we've seen members of both sides of the aisle engage with the White House on ways that are potentially uh, ways to, that, that to get there. And so it's a conversation. And we're not trying to jam that down um, anyone's throat right now. It's, it's an ongoing discussion. Does the White House share the frustration of many Republicans in Capitol Hill and the sentiments that the House Freedom Caucus, quote, botched this? I think the President's uh, comments on this speak for themselves. Oh, I, just have, I just have one more. Of course. And on the same thing, uh, the, the President and members of the White House have suggested that maybe we could get some Democrats on board, mm -hmm. health care reform. That the fact that no Democrat, not even one Democrat, supported the last attempt, and given than the desires of the Freedom Caucus versus what the Democrats would be looking for. Is it reasonable to think that even one Democrat would come on board this? No. I mean, uh, I, I think I, it is not unreasonable to... No, I to, said, is it reasonable? Um, I, I think it depends on what they're, what they, how they want to get there. I mean, again, there's a balancing act. It's not about just picking up one. It's picking up enough to get to 216. And it's what does that take without compromising the principles that you, you want to achieve? Um, so is it possible? Sure, that there's a handful or so, or maybe more Democrats that are willing to engage. But it's worth the conversation. But but again, and it's kind of a banner tactic to say, okay, if you're not going to work with us, it's not, it's no, it's caucus, a, we're going to go to the Democrats. No, it's a, it's a tactic to get to. I mean, it's a math tactic. It's a, it's how do you get to 216 in this case, um, and it's engaged with whoever will get you to that number. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, I mean, over the course of 17 months, Obamacare you know, failed and started multiple times, it went off on multiple different tracks, including single payer, until it finally came back and ultimately upon Scott Brown's election, 
they jammed it through and did it so quick to make sure that the Secretary of Human Services, but but I get it. And so we're 20 days, 21 days into this process, 22 probably today. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think the idea that the president has put out there is that if people want to float ideas and suggestions on how we can grow this vote and get to a majority, he'll entertain them. Tamara. Thank you. Um, I have sort of a lightning round about opioids. Um, uh, is a commission being created? Is Chris Christie the head of that commission? He was sort of talking about it, but I haven't seen anything on it. And what sort of timeline will that commission have in terms of presenting findings? Or what's the goal of this thing? Well, there's, I mean, I think it's easier to start with the goal. I think if you see the roundtable, and I know the pool will have a readout of this afterwards, the goal is to figure out, I think Governor Christie's been a leader of this in New Jersey. It's, a, it's an issue that plagues countless communities uh, more and more. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, whether it's New Hampshire or other places in the Midwest, it's, it's sitting there and figuring out best practices and, and how can we get it down and how can we provide the treatment. Um, I mean, I, I think the DEA administrator was noting in, in the discussion that they, we've gotten really good at law enforcement, right? But the question is, um, how, do we, how do we focus on the treatment? How do we focus on the prevention? How do we look at things that happened in the past to deter uh, drug addiction from starting in the first place and to deter young people in particular from starting with drugs? Um, to now, how do we help families cope with this? There's a lot of it. And I, so I, I think today is the first step of bringing some of these stakeholders together. Um, you know, but I, like I just mentioned on the other thing, I, I, I appreciate that everyone wants the answers, but I think that there's a reason that uh, you're looking at this as, a, as two things, a whole of government and a whole of person, right? It's looking at how do we look at people um, to, to help them get the recovery, stay clean, not start in the first place, help them get them into to, um, treatment centers, help them get a, a, a job afterwards. I mean, there's a lot of whole of person, but then there's a whole of government. As I mentioned, I mean, you're looking at around that table today, you've got families and parents um, and individuals who have been personally affected in one way, shape, or form. You've got Governor Christie, who's dealt with it at a state level. You've got Pam Bondi, who's looked at it from a state level. You've got Secretary Kelly, who's looking at it from Homeland Security, DEA, who's looking at it partially from a law enforcement. Then you've also got you know, Secretary of DeVos, who's looking at it from an education and a prevention. And it's, it is a big, big issue that is plaguing our country, plaguing our communities, and plaguing our families. And so I, I wish I could give you an answer and say, this is how we're going to solve the problem. But I think the first step is, is understanding the problem, the magnitude of it, and looking at how we approach it holistically. Yeah. The, the timeline uh, yeah. for them coming back with findings. Um, and then the, the president, when he was campaigning, seemed to endorse the STOP Act, which would prevent fentanyl from being imported, help to prevent fentanyl from being imported from countries like China. Um, would he use his presidential bully pulpit to sort of push for that legislation now, which is not really gotten off the ground yet uh, over in, in Congress. That, that was one of the, not the specific piece of legislation, not the topic in particular, but I think there was a lot of discussion about fentanyl and, and the rise of it uh, today. And I think the Attorney General brought that up and was talking about the escalation of that from the 1980s to now. Um, and so there is going to, there is a look at it. But I, 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 again, as I mentioned, you've got the Attorney General there, law enforcement education. Part of this is to, to really look at this and figure out what are the ways that we can address it at, at, from coming into the country. Um, and the DA administrator was talking about it, especially the flow from the southern border. But then you look at it from a law enforcement issue, a prevention issue, and a treatment issue. And this is a, I wish I could give you a really easy answer and say, here's the silver bullet that's going to stop this. But we recognize the growth 
of this problem in this academic, and and how do we how do we solve it going forward? John, Gizzy. Thank you, Sean. Um, yesterday, Prime Minister Theresa May signed the letter that began the process for Brexit. Uh, a week ago on Friday, uh, Jean Claude Juncker, who is the president of the European Commission. Uh, used some unusually strong language about the president, saying that his comments encouraging other Brexits could lead to war among the Balkan countries. And he also said in the end, and is quoted on page one of the Financial Times, that the president does not know a lot about Europe. What is the president's response to that? To Brexit in particular? Or to, to the comments by President Juncker of the European Commission I, I, well, and I, to I, Brexit. I think the president is very well steeped in world affairs, especially Europe, NATO, all the issues. He was a leader in the effort to call Brexit, uh, as you know. I mean, uh, and obviously, with respect to that, we respect the will of the British electorate and Her Majesty's government in taking steps uh, of departing the European Union. Whatever future the UK EU relationship looks like, we want the UK to remain a strong leader in Europe, uh, for both the UK, the EU, and Europe to remain strong leaders globally. So. You know, I think both on the EU and on that, that that's Ronica. Uh, thank you. I have two questions or topics, if you will. Just the first, what's the White House reaction to the shooting today at the Capitol? Uh, well, it sounds like a very troubled individual. Uh, obviously, I'll let law enforcement read that out, but um, I, I don't want to get ahead of, I, from what I understand and what I've seen, it's, it sounds like a very troubling instance. I think. Again, I don't want to get ahead of this, but it looks like law enforcement. I appreciate the efforts that the Capitol Police and others took. Uh, I mean, you literally watched people put their lives uh, in harm's way today uh, to protect uh, tourists and, and other citizens. And so I want to commend the work of the Capitol Police and the, the work of law enforcement to uh, continue to protect us at this time when Washington is in its glory with the cherry blossoms out and so many people are coming here to visit uh, the Tidal Basin and their House of Representatives and the Senate uh, and walk around Washington, D.C., it's reassuring to know that so many brave men and women are willing to put their lives on the line to make sure that the city stays safe. Our second topic, uh, last weekend the President spent the weekend here, mm -hmm. not in Mar-a-Lago. I'm wondering, was that in any way in response to some of the pushback he's received about the cost associated with those trips? And part two of that, does he plan to be here again this weekend? So no, yes. <laughs> Uh, he will. <laughs> the president wanted to be here last weekend. He wants to be here this weekend. He'll be here, and then uh, I, I will have updates on where he'll be going forward. But does he feel any concern about that pushback? No, he feels great, Hunter. Thank you, Sean. Um, president Trump is reportedly expected to sign legislation that would allow internet service providers to monitor internet activity mm -hmm. and sell that information without <laughs> users' permission. Will he be signing that legislation, and why does he think it's good for America? I'm wondering who this benefits apart from ISPs and their executives. I, I know the House and the Senate have just passed that. When they enroll it, uh, then we will we'll have further updates on that. I'm not – when we have – I, I know that – I believe we have a statement of administration policy on that bill out. Um, and we have further updates on a signing ceremony. I will let you know. Doesn't this erosion of protections create major risks for people to use that um, information for nefarious purposes? Yeah, also, hostile nations potentially looking at you know what congressmen are browsing online. Like, is that concerning to the White House? I, I think there's, as I mentioned, that we have a statement of administration policy on that bill. Um, that we'll have further updates, and when we do, we sign it. I'm sure we'll have further details on why Zeke. 
uh, two questions I should have for you. Uh, the Commander of CENTCOM was up on the Hill uh, earlier today and uh, testified that uh, the U.S. government believes that Russia has been supplying materially the Afghan Taliban. I was wondering if the White House has any response to that testimony and does it believe that that's a constructive effort? I'm sorry, who is testifying? Uh, the Commander of CENTCOM. Yeah, okay. That's a constructive uh, effort on the part of the Russian government in that region. I, I know there are several um, entities looking into this, and, and I'm not going to – I will say that DOD's response speaks for itself. We we understand uh, the intelligence on this. The President's been briefed on it. Um, so I'm not really sure what specifically you're yeah, – You're not condemning that action on, on, the, on the part of the Russian government right now. I, I think this, the, the commander – the CENCOM commander's uh, testimony speaks for itself on that. Uh, topic for you. Um, about a month from now, the government, the, the government will run out of money for yes. another CR. Uh, and I'm sure you're aware. Um, the president talked a lot about the campaign and his budget request, uh, funding for a border wall uh, on the southern border with right. Mexico. Is that a deal breaker for the president uh, in in any sort of government funding measure uh, in the next month or so? Uh, so, on April 29th, the, the CR expires, the continuing resolution, and uh, we are going to be working with Congress on, on that. Uh, on the FY17 budget that needs to go forward. I know Director Mulvaney has talked about that. Uh, I'm not going to get into the specific details. I know that if you saw the budget they put out, I think it's $1.6 or $1.7 billion that he's initially put in the FY17 for the beginning uh, of that wall, and there's $2.5, 2 I, I Again, I think that is our request. We will continue to work with Congress on how to move forward with the, with the rest of fiscal year 17's budget. Blake? Senators said, quoting here, I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care. That is such an easy one. I have no doubt that it's going to happen very quickly. What is the renewed sense of optimism, and what exactly is very quickly? Uh, well, I, I think there's a little bit of sound that needs to go with that. I think he was having a little bit of fun with some previous comments that have been made uh, with respect to how easy it would be to get health care. Uh, so, uh, but there is a, a renewed sense because I, I think. Um, you know, the comments and the calls that the President has gotten, as well as the Vice President and other members uh, of the senior team that have come in and said, we believe that there is a path forward. We have some ideas. We'd like to talk to you about that. I know I've seen some of the reports that have been put out uh, regarding some of the individual members of the Senate and the House that have been up here meeting with our team. And I think there's a lot of people who have some ideas about how to move forward, um, and we're entertaining those. But I think the interesting thing is, is that despite uh, the setback that uh, we got last Friday, I think there is a renewed willingness from a lot of members who made commitments to the American people and to their voters uh, that they want to see this done and they understand that not getting this done means that, as I said, and the President echoed when he went up to the House Republican Conference, that there's going to be a, a consequence for this. People need to be taken at their word. There's a lot of members that made a commitment to their voters, to their constituents that they were going to get something done on this and repeal and replace it and address the healthcare situation and that hasn't gotten done. And I think that's a that's a concern for them. And let me ask you real quickly, um, you, you say that you embrace the House Intelligence Committee review uh, of all of this. Um, John McCain said earlier today that because of the potential schism within that committee that there should be a select committee that goes from this. Would you embrace that if that happens and, and what would you yeah, respond I, I don't, I, again, and I'm not going to get into House and Senate matters. But I, I don't I, – I, as I mentioned at the outset to April, I, I believe that people – like all that is – how they conduct themselves internally is up to them. That's that's obviously not for us to decide. But I think the, the question that I still think is outstanding is that 
What has happened is a review was called for that part of it was already ongoing from what I understand, especially on the House side. And the chairman of that committee has gone and sought information um, and individuals who believe that information to further the review. I'm really not sure how that's anything other than what you're supposed to do. And I think that is consistent what he's talked about. Dave, Boyer. Sure, thanks. Two questions. Uh, you mentioned Senator Udall uh, opposing the Gorsuch nomination. He was here at that party last night. Uh, did the president try to work with the room with him and other Democrats about the nomination last night? Uh, I know he and the first lady and others spoke to a variety of senators. I'm not, I wasn't keeping tabs on, on everybody that he spoke to, but I do know that uh, he had an opportunity to speak to a lot of, a lot of different senators. Um, and he's talked to a lot on the phone, so I don't know about Senator Udall himself. And secondly, uh, two-thirds of the Democratic senators did not attend the party last night. Did that disappoint the president? Uh, I think we were excited to see the one-third that did. I know um, Senator Schumer was there, Senator Durbin. There were a lot of, a lot of folks. And again, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I hope, I'm sure the president will continue to do things like this. It was an amazing opportunity to have uh, a moment sort of free of politics and to, to enjoy uh, some collegial moments with each other um, in the White House um, and listen to some uh, some of the United States, some Marine Corps bands play some amazing music um, and, and bring people together. And I think the President's talked about this. You know, he, he's mentioned this a bunch of times that there used to be a time when you could sit down and, and share a meal together and go. And I, and I think that's what he's been trying to do is bring groups back in and at least just have a a conversation and get to that human side a little bit. And so tonight, yesterday was a good a good start, I think. Jonathan. Hey, uh, Sean, uh, the President's got in his inbox a letter from uh, Senate Democrats, and they say, the Democrats say they are ready and willing to work with the President on improving Obamacare. They just have a couple of conditions. First, the President has to abandon his efforts to completely repeal the law and rescind the executive order. This letter is signed by the vast majority of the Democrats in the U.S. Senate. What does the President say? Uh, I, I think, uh, as the President's noted, we're willing to engage with people. I, I think they understand his principles. Um, we, we need to repeal the, the law and replace it with something better. I understand. I understand what they, I've, I've seen parts of the letter, and I know that 40 of them saw that. And I think what we, what we need to do is figure out who wants to um, engage in a constructive conversation. I understand what they want, but again, it's not just a, a one-way street. I think the President has made very clear what he wants to do. And I think that to the extent that some of them want to have a conversation, we have a 52-seat majority in the Senate. If there are individuals in there that want to have a constructive conversation achieving the goals, we can do it. But um, I think they also need to understand the President's red lines. But, but, but they say as a first step they want him to repeal that executive order. Is that something he's willing I, and, to do? I think the President's committed to making sure that he continues to go down the path that he's gone down. And there are ways that if they want to join him, that they can. And I think there are some areas that they may want to engage with them on that we've seen uh, so far. And so, I, look, I understand they have a right to put out a letter and draw their lines in the sand, but I think the President's committed to doing going down the path he is. And, and obviously, first step is to get to 216 in the House and then address uh, the concerns in the Senate. But he's continued to have conversations with the Senate. And I think that as Obamacare continues to struggle, which it is. The premiums continue to go up and up. I think the question is, you know, will those 40 people understand that, that they are the ones who are going to be responsible for owning uh, the current policies that are making so many Americans struggle? But Jim. Clarify, was he joking when he said that making a deal on health care would be an easy one? He, I, I think if you watch the tape, he was it was a lighthearted moment, Jonathan. And so I, he was having he a little. Think it's easy to no, he was. Yeah, no. Watch. I, I, he was 
having a fun time with the senators there. Jim. Uh, you know, the other thing that the president said last night was our, our soldiers are fighting like never before in Iraq. Yes. And as you know, Sean, U.S. Uh, troops there are in a support uh, role and advise and assist role. What does he mean? What does the president mean when he says they're fighting there like never before? Obviously, I think, that, I think it's taking into consideration what happened during the Bush administration and the Obama administration. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate house to house. Yeah, I, I think that there's been um, some progress, particularly in Mosul, um, the way that they have taken back that city. And I, and I think that uh, for a long time there was very, a, a lot of concern about Iran uh, moving in and dominating parts of Iraq. And I think uh, with the advice and consent of, of U.S. military advisors, there's been tremendous progress in moving uh, Iraq forward to, uh, to a, a, an area of stability and to continuing to see the troops there in Iraq stand on their own, and I think that, that he is very pleased with the action that General Mattis and, and our soldiers and uh, sailors, airmen, and Marines are taking uh, to, to do that. Jeff. I just want to follow up with, if you couple that comment with the comment on health care, it being an easy one to get that done, it just, it sounds like I, I, you probably have heard this and come across this notion that he's just detached from reality in making those comments. Why, why, first of all, I, I think that, I, 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 again, would respectfully ask you that you review the tape. He was having a lighthearted moment. It's on tape. Everybody watched it. He was poking fun and making a joke. There's been uh, comments in the before about how he didn't get it, and he was joking about how easy it was. Okay, it was a lighthearted moment. It was on tape. I think everybody and, and the idea that there is this, like trying to make it look like you know he, he's being was being utterly serious at the time is a little bit of a stretch. And one quick thing yeah. on Chairman Nunes. But I think, but just so we're clear, I'm sorry, yeah, just to end yes, it, that he was very proud of the work uh, that that our soldiers and sailors are doing over there in Iraq. Uh, there is a lot of work and a lot of progress that is being made, and the updates that he's getting from General Mattis on a daily basis. But he doesn't uh, think they're in combat, they're engaged in No, combat. no, but again, I, I think the progress that's being made in Iraq uh, and the, the fight against ISIS is going extremely well, and he's proud of it. And I was just going to ask you very quickly on Chairman Nunes, do you personally know who the source of Chairman Nunes's information is. No. Jeff Mason. Um, one on both on two topics. First on health care. Does the president want to start a new health care bill or tweak the one that did not go last week? I think we're starting with where we are and trying to move that forward. I think that is the current vessel. Uh, and on a separate topic, the president did not mention the Paris Agreement yesterday when he went to the EPA. Uh, can you update us on his current thinking about that? Does he want the United States to stay in? And if he, if he does, how does he expect the United States to meet its commitments without the Clean Power Plan? I think that the Paris Agreement is still under discussion within the administration. Yeah, when you'll know. I, I can try to look into that. I don't have one at this time. Um, thank you, Sean. Uh, early voting has begun in the uh, Georgia 6th Congressional District special election uh, to fill the seat of Secretary Price. Price. Um, some Democrats have are billing this as a referendum on the president, the early days of the presidency. Does what does the White House think of that? Does President Trump plan to be involved at all in this race? That's a good. I honestly, I I've not even thought about it. Uh, I, I I think that if if needed, the president has always been very clear that he he wants to uh, support the team and help the team. Honestly, I've not tried to really focus on uh, tried to shed that previous life a little. Uh, so I've not looked into Georgia's to the race in Georgia. I'm sure I. I best refer you to either the RNC or the NRCC on the state of that race. Okay. Thank you guys very much. I'll see you tomorrow on Thursday. Take care. I do owe you one tomorrow. I'm sorry.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.